Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, we are in week five of our series, Mountains and Valleys. And Mountains and Valleys, it's important to recognize when you're on the mountain. It's important to recognize when you're in the valley. Uh, when you don't understand where you're at in position to where you are going, you'll make decisions that will probably not be based for, be the best for where you want to go. And so on a mountain, your, your, your form is going to be different. Your, your speed is going to be different. Your perspective is going to be different than when you're in the valley. We like to say it this way, from the mountains we receive vision, in the valleys we're on a mission. On the mountain I receive revelation, in the valleys I'm slaying giants, right? And so it's good, we all need to have a mountaintop experience, we need to have those moments where we can catch our breath, thank you so much for that water, we all need moments when we can catch our breath, and then then there's times in the valley where it's like, man, it's time to go to work, and I'm going to share something today um, that I believe is so critical, this is a story that everybody in the room, I'm I'm willing to bet everybody in the room here today has heard the story of what I'm about to tell you. But I'm going to tell it from a little bit different perspective. My title, the title of my message today, for those taking notes, is Victory, or excuse me, Valley of Victory. The title of my message is Valley of Victory. This is going to be part one and kind of a two-parter that we're going to do within our Mountains and Valleys series. And, you know, there's moments that come along in life where either, either you define the moment or that moment's going to define you. That could be good or bad. There's moments in life where you either define the moment or that moment's going to define you. And I want to share this defining moment that occurred in a place in the Bible that was known as the Valley of Elah. And the Valley of Elah is very famous, and you're going to see why in a second. But in that valley, that valley was known for its lush incredible uh, foliage. The, the soil was rich with nutrients. In that valley the, is where there would be a brook, and that brook would collect the water from the tributaries around that area, and the water that would come down from the Judean mountains would form in the valley of Elah. And, when, and then over thousands of years, it would form and form these rocks. It would take rocks from a chiseled uh, uh, exterior to a nice smooth stone that you could skip across water or you could skip it across a field of battle. So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version of the Bible. You can follow along. If you don't have your Bible, we got a big Bible on the screen on the left and right here. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the Word of God, all right? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is a life to us. God, without, without your word, we would not know who you are. We would not know your ways. Your word is that, that line that leads us back to you. So God, I pray, God, as we read your word, that that line would pull us closer to you, that we'd be closer to catching your heart, your words, your vision. I pray for revelation to hit this room today. I pray you'd help us all to see something we never saw in the scriptures before. I pray that we'd hear your voice, God, that we'd hear your, your voice above my voice, that your voice would be magnified. God, nobody came here to hear a man speak. We all came to hear you speak. So we're asking you, God, speak. Your servants are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen, amen. We are about to read one of the most famous battles in all of history. Uh, sacred and secular historians alike have recounted this. There's been books written by people that aren't even Christian or a believer in God. They've written literally books about the infamous battle of David and Goliath. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read through, we're going to take a, a moment today really to read through a few of these verses of scripture. And then I'm going to unpack some things with you all today that I think is really going to encourage and hopefully bless you. So the Valley of Elah, so the, the, the story of the battle of David and Goliath, it begins in chapter 17, verse 1, says this. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Succo, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Succo and Azekah in Aphes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the Valley of Elah. And they drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley in between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. I'll do the quick translation for you. It's nine inches, or nine feet, nine inches tall. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. A coat of mail, basically, it's like little metal loops that come together. That's, that's the armored big mesh. And so he was wearing that, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels, which is about 125 pounds, of bronze. And he had, a bronze, he had a bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. And he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Notice his words there. I'm a Philistine. The Philistines at that time, they were really good at making weapons of war. They, they had areas and territory that they occupied that had iron. And so they were able to harvest that and then melt it and beat it down. And that's why they, they were kind of, if you will, the technologically advanced society of that time. So he's saying, I'm, I'm part of the Philistines and he doesn't even recognize them as Israel a nation. He's like, you, you guys are just followers of that guy, Saul. He said, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and you should serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard this, heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So you see the battle scene that's forming. There's a valley, and in between it, there's two hills. The Philistines are on one side. Children of Israel are on the other side. There's a valley between. They'd come out, and for 40 days and 40 nights, this guy Goliath would come, and he would speak evil against them. He'd make fun of them, and he's like, come on, come and take it. And so there they are, drawn up in line of battle, and they're waiting, and they're freaking out. They're like, I don't know what's going to happen. 
Now entered into the story is the time now David's going to come onto the scene. Now let me tell you about David before we jump to the next portion of the scripture. So at this time, Saul, who was the king of Israel, he actually already knew David. He was well acquainted with him. If you read in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, you'll read about how Saul is troubled and he's not sleeping well and he's frustrated. He's like, bring me somebody that can play the guitar. Bring me an Isaac that can play the guitar for me so that I can get some sleep. And so they're, they're, uh, they said, hey, we know a guy. One of his servants was a young man, and he said, I actually know a guy. He, he's actually a, a mighty warrior, and, and he plays skillfully. He's excellent, and, and he, he's, he's, a, he's a strong, he's a, he's a good, clean-cut looking dude, and, and he could come and play for you, and I think you would really like him. And so they bring David to Saul, and so that's what David did, and Saul was so pleased with having David that he said, hey, send word back to David's dad, Jesse, that he's going to stay with me because I, I, need, I need what he has. I need him and his worship here with me because he helps me be free from my troubles. And I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, worship in, in, in our time together, it's, it's, not a, it's not a warm up for the message. <laughs> worship it is really one of the best parts of the entire gathering that we do on a Sunday. It's when God gets the more, most glory. I promise you, there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to make God go, wow. You know, like he's, there's nothing that's going to surprise him. But man, your worship, the awe feeling that you have when you come into the presence of God, that's where he's like, wow. So I just want to encourage you as a church family to get here early and to be part of the worship time when we gather on Sunday mornings. So David has been playing for Saul and, and they've gotten to know each other quite a bit. But then when the battle starts to form, Saul is going out to the front lines. So Saul dismisses David. David goes back to be with his dad in a town called Bethlehem where he would watch over the sheep. And so he goes back and and then he's kind of coming back and forth to the battle lines. Bethlehem was only about 15 miles away. So four, maybe five hour walk, depending on how fast or slow you walk. Uh, if you ran fast, you'd probably get there in three hours, right? So it was a good jaunt, 15 miles away. That's a, that's a good space. So David would go back and forth throughout this time of 40 days of this taunting and he was growing kind of agitated hearing this guy, hearing about this and the fact that there's no battle. And David wanted to be in the battle. And you may say, well, why wasn't he on the battlefield with his brothers if he wanted to be in the battle? Well, it's because David was not yet 20 years old. When you're 20 years old as a children of, as a child, excuse me, as a man of God in, as part of the children of Israel, when you were 20 years old, then you could actually take part in be in the army. But until that time, you couldn't. And so he's watching the sheep. He's taking care of stuff. He's the gopher boy. Go for that. Go for this. Go for this. So he's going back and forth, getting food and bringing it to his brothers. And then one time he rolls up on them and then they're talking and, uh, and they hear, he hears about what's going on. And he said, he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is taunting the army of God? Like, guys, come on, get like bow up. You know, like, be a man. Dude, are you serious? You're going to let this guy talk about you and our God this way? Like, you know, it ruffled David's feathers, and there's a warrior inside of him that said, not on my watch. And so we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 32. So for 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, we're going to pick it up there. It says, and David went, said to Saul, he said, Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, speaking of Goliath. 
Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David's like, I'll go. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep of his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. By his beard, by the beard of a lion. Like, who is this crazy kid? Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said this, this is important. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord will deliver me. And then Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. There's something about the confidence and cockiness of David that, man, you just got to go. I love that. I love this kid. I love this kid. He shows up to the battle, not even invited to the war. And he had a bit of a relationship with Saul at this time so he can go, king like he's I could just picture him pleading with the king and I could picture the king's uh all of his mighty men gathered around him that are scratching their head the 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 guys that are helping to command the the troops on the field of battle going please do not listen to this little boy right I mean could you just see it if you were one of the king's advisors you're going oh my god he's really thinking about this right now he's actually he's actually thinking about this kid he's actually thinking about allowing this kid to do it And then something in the confidence of David, really something in the anointing of God on David's life, Saul saw it because Saul experienced it firsthand. He knew there was something special about him. And David gave you the secret to the sauce. The secret sauce for David was the hand of the Lord was with me. The hand of the Lord. The Lord delivered me. The Lord that delivered me is going to deliver him. There's, There's sometimes I think we put too much emphasis on our own doings we we think too highly of ourselves sometimes at least I do sometimes I think that I I got this I got this God I got this I'm going through a rough patch I I got this and then one of my friends will reach out and be like hey man how you doing it's like okay man let me tell you how it's going really sometimes we can lean too much on our own understandings Hopefully I'm not the only one in the room that has, that has experienced that where you've leaned too much on your own or this is what I know or my budget says this and so this is the decision I make with faith in my finances based on just what I see in my bank account. Come on, there's wisdom, but there's also faith when God calls you to reach a little bit for things. And there's, there's, there's times when I can lean too much on that and God is calling us, he's inviting us into close relationship that we could have that kind of relationship and that confidence, that spiritual confidence, almost cockiness like David had, where he's like, I can do this because I know God will do it. So you just let me go and I know God will show up. So I want to tell you about this famous valley, the Valley of Elah. A lot of people think that the, 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 the battle with David and Goliath is really about David and Goliath, but it wasn't. Goliath was a bit of a pawn in the whole game, if you will. 
the battle was really about a place called Azekah. Now, Azekah was a, a mountainous area. It was kind of a, a mound, if you will. In Azekah, there was a stronghold. And from that stronghold, you had the most incredible vantage point. So this is a picture of the Valley of Elah running through here. And this is looking down from Azekah. So if you, if you went and visited Israel with me, you would have seen this spot on the tour and you would have stopped here and taken in the entire valley and you would see that this was the valley. Over here, you had the Philistines where they would have been assembled. And then over there, you would have had Israel. Back behind this area, there would have been Bethlehem, 15 miles that away. Jerusalem, about 20 miles. So this valley of Elah was important uh, because of how how incredible the soil was, how fertile the soil was. Even to this day, there's people that have gone and done soil samples at the Valley Eli, and they're like, anything grows here. This is one of the most lush, fertile places in the entire earth, right there, the Valley of Elah. And so they line up for battle, the children of Israel and the Philistines, and then they're coming back and forth here, and they're battling for that. But the Philistines at that time, they actually occupied that stronghold. Now, when we think of the word stronghold, sometimes you can look at it from a negative sense, but it actually can be a real positive sense. If your stronghold is the Lord, then you can run to him, the righteous run to him, and you can be safe. If your stronghold is something other than the Lord, you're going to run to it, and at some point, that stronghold is going to break down. Here's the big idea. Either you occupy that stronghold of the Lord... He is our stronghold, but you go in and you occupy it or the enemy is going to occupy it. And so for that stronghold, Azekah, that was a place that the enemy had. And because the enemy had it, they could see for miles. You can see from that vantage point. You can see all the way out there. This is just at the top. This isn't a drone shot. This is the top of the hill. So you can see who's coming and going all over the place. You can send, you can send out and, uh, warriors to go take on. If there's skirmishes happening down here, you can light a fire in the middle of the night to alert the different people on the hills that are watchmen. There's a lot that you can do when you occupy that spot. And what would happen in the days of the Bible is that you would, you, their main area of commerce was the fact that they were farmers, agriculture. So you would, you would grow your food and from the crop that you harvested, that would feed your family, your village, your city, your tribe, etc. right? And what would happen is if you did not have the strategic places, those strongholds fortified, your crops would grow, you would start to harvest and you'd be chased off by those guys. The bad guys would come in and they would chase you off and they would take the spoils of your crops and they would bring them back and you'd be left with nothing. So the battle is more so not about David and Goliath. The battle was more so about taking Azekah. If you had Azekah, then you could actually eat the fruit of the blessings in the valley. All the seeds that you sowed in the valley, all that time you spent cultivating in the valley, all the fruit, the crops that you're looking to harvest in the valley. If you had Azekah, if you had that protection, then you could receive the blessings that you are praying and believing for. The enemy wants the stronghold because he wants to actually take the valley. The enemy wants Azekah in your life because he wants when fruit begins to form in the valley of your life, he wants to rob it. So being faithful with the little is important when you're sowing seed in the valley 
As long as God is your stronghold, if God is not your stronghold, when the enemy comes in, you're gonna run the wrong way. So the stronghold's a place where you go when the enemy comes. So strongholds, the definition of a stronghold, a fort or a fortress. A stronghold is a fortified place. It's a place of security. It's the place you go to hold strong in battle. A stronghold is a place you go to hold strong. My question today is, when pressure comes in your life, where do you go? Where do you go? Do you go to the stronghold of the Lord? Or is it something else? Let me just bring it real home 2023. Is it vegging out on Instagram? Is that something that was maybe just a small habit that was just like, oh man, I just need to relax and just kind of flip the screen here. And then slowly you got lulled to sleep by it and now you go to your phone with Instagram more than you go to prayer or the word of God. Has that become a stronghold? Alcohol. You could say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about not drinking, correct, but it does say something about getting drunk. Maybe what started out as just a casual beer here and there or a glass of wine here and there, did that turn into more when you felt pressed, when you felt the enemy coming in on your life and you ran to that? Is that a stronghold? What, is, what are you running to when you're pressed? Is it a relationship? Relationships are a blessing from God, but sometimes relationships can actually rob you of going to God. I believe we should all get counsel. I hope you have awesome godly friends. If you're married, I hope you have an incredible godly spouse and you can go to them and you get prayer and you're strengthened and I love all of that. But my friend or my spouse cannot take the place of my God. Who are you running to? Where do you go? Is it your finances? You feel stressed and so you go and look at your finances, I'm good. Or man, I'm more stressed. <laughs> That's the worst, right? Is it spending money? Is it going to Target? Is it okay for me to say that in a church? Is it going to, is it going there and just looking for stuff to shop and fill? And man, I feel this high. I feel this rush, this release of dopamine when I go and do this, when I go and spend and get that new thing. What, what is it? And let's be honest. I can't be the only one in the room that's ever been that guy, right? Have we all felt that way? Have we all turned to something else other than the Lord? Yeah, maybe even this week. <laughs> Have we all done something where it's like, man, I, I, I find that sometimes my, my understanding or my wisdom exceeds my obedience, right? It's the worst when that understanding is in the form of red and blue lights flashing in my review mirror telling me that I was speeding. I knew I was speeding. I knew I was going over the speed limit. <laughs> my understanding exceeded my obedience. I'm gonna give you a few scriptures on strongholds. Psalms 9 verse 9 says this, the Lord, everybody say the Lord. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalms 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Stronghold is a place where you hold strong. Again, what are you going to 
That's not the Lord when you feel pressed. When the enemy comes into your life, when you're feeling the stress of life, the attack of the enemy, where, where do you go in those moments? And could that thing that maybe started out as a small habit that didn't seem so bad, could that thing actually have become a strong hold? Psalms 94, 22. The Lord has become my stronghold and the God of my refuge. Some of us, the Lord is becoming that for us, right? We're learning more and more. Like, man, when, it come, when that pressure comes, I, I'm gonna go to him. And so as you're doing that, now you're forming a new habit. Now you're forming a habit like, I feel stressed, I'm gonna praise him. I feel stress. I'm going to go to the word of God. I feel stress. I'm just going to go on a prayer walk. That's one of my favorite things to do. When I feel stress come on, I get out of my house. I get some fresh air and I just go on a prayer walk. I take the daily prayer card that we have as a resource for you. I take the daily prayer card and I just go and begin to pray through that. I begin to pray in the spirit. And as I pray, suddenly my perspective shifts from the things that I'm facing and off of the Goliaths and I begin to see God in my situations, in my circumstance. Then at that, you're forming a brand new habit. He's becoming your stronghold, a place of refuge for you. Proverbs 21 verse 22 says this, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. My question today is, are there any strongholds that you need to tear down today? Is there any stronghold? Is there anything that you've built a little bit of a habit in that's not leading you deeper in the things of God where you're like, I, that, I need to put that in check. And even right now as I'm speaking, I believe the Holy Spirit's probably putting some things on hearts and minds. It's good to take note of that and write it down. But it's one thing to write it down in a church service on a Sunday. It's another thing to live it out tonight and tomorrow. I just want to encourage you, live it out. Live it out. If you feel weak in that area, then get some accountability. Text somebody, a friend, somebody you can trust and say, hey, I want you to keep me accountable. If I ever have an inkling of an issue in this area, I'm going to call you. You're going to be my call. You're going to be my text. I want you to help me tear down this strongholds. If anything or anyone other than God is placed as your stronghold, that will soon have hold of you. And the deeper you go and the longer you live with that stronghold, the more it holds on to you. Growing up in my family, uh, I was sharing with a, a buddy of mine this week, but I'm actually the smallest of three boys. <laughs> I'm the oldest of my three brothers, but I'm the smallest. Uh, they're big dudes and big football player guys. And uh, my younger brother, he was a big football player in high school. And, and during his high school years, he was a lineman. And he had, he had like football was life. And he, and he was just an excellent athlete. He's one of those guys that's good at everything he does. Like he plays golf, kills it, plays baseball, kills it, shoots baskets. Okay. Football crushes it. He's just like, and everybody loves him. Right. And he got up to the point where he was 330 pounds in high school, which the coaches loved because he was a Mack truck to run behind. Right. You know, it's like, we need to do a run play up the middle. Who's going to block Scotty. 
right? My little brother. So he's 330 pounds, but he bench, bench pressed 350 pounds. So it's not like he was just some flabby dude. Like he had muscle. But growing up, one of the things in our family that was common is when we were kind of going through a rough time or whatever, we got into comfort food. And our comfort food of choice was pizza from Domino's. And man, they had a Domino's. We, we lived, lived at the end of this cul-de-sac in this neighborhood that it was, it was dark. There's like no street lights in the neighborhood. I don't know what it was, but in Seattle, Washington, we didn't have a lot of street lights. So like you could, you could barely find our house on a good day, let alone in the dark when you're a pizza driver looking at a map because you didn't have Google Maps on your phone. You're literally with a flashlight on a map, right? And so, so we would call, and Domino's had a special. If they didn't get to your house in 30 minutes, <laughs> you remember this. You know where this is going. The pizza was free. And so a lot of times we would order pizza knowing we're not going to have to pay for nothing. I know it's horrible, so I shouldn't laugh. My brothers and I, you know, oh gosh. My mom said, there's a special place in heaven for the mother of three boys because you boys made it hell on earth. Love you, mom, if you're watching online. And so, so we would order and we would get into that. And then the, the real awesome thing was sometimes like it would go like 40, 45 minutes and then we're assuming they're lost. Like legitimately we're like, they, they get, because it would happen. People would get lost coming to our house all the time. So we would call to get our replacement pizza. Well, then like five, five minutes later... <laughs> <laughs> the first pizza would show up and then the replacement pizza. And then, I mean, it's just, it was a horrible, horrible snowball effect. Kids do not ever do this. Please. My kids especially do not do this. Okay. So we grew up in, in that man, that pizza, that was my st- food comfort food. I'm going through a tough time. Oh my goodness. And I love comfort food like the next, like I love, especially, especially when you got neighbors that are amazing cooks and chefs and everything. Like, I mean, I love it all. Like I love it all, but I have to be careful that I don't allow that to comfort what the comforter wants to comfort. The comforter, the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter. He wants to, he wants to comfort you. So is there anything that's a bit of a stronghold? Here's, here's one, here, this is just kind of a quick litmus test on the, on the stronghold thing. When you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, that hour or two in there, is there any habits that you're doing when you first wake up or any habits towards the end of the night is sometimes that's when you're most susceptible to falling into a bad stronghold. Is there any strongholds there? And if that is, write it down. And today we're going to get rid of that thing in Jesus' name. All right? We're not going to make that our strongholds. The Lord is our stronghold. We're building an Azekah. And there's a, I think we have a picture of Tel Azekah. It's a different, it's a high vantage point. Maybe, there it is. So here, this is, now this is known. This is a, a picture of Azekah now. Okay? So back then it would have looked a little bit different. In the name of it, if you go to Israel, they'll say, they'll call it Tel Azekah. They won't call it Azekah. It's Tel Azekah. Tel is, it means like a hill or a mount. And what happens over the year, what's happened over the years is as these strongholds, and you see it all through the fields as you drive around Israel. You'll see these, these mounds that kind of look almost like they're a mountain. But the reality was, what happened was, it was an area that might have been a soft hill that was just a little bit higher so it wouldn't get flooded. And then they would build the stronghold there. And they would establish it there. Well, then 
people would come in, marauders would come, and they'd conquer whoever had that stronghold, and it would be broken down, and then the new people would come, and they would build on top of it. So you have stronghold after stronghold after stronghold after stronghold that's been built on this area. Now tell Azekah. Sometimes in our lives, we had what was just a little mound, and that was just a little stronghold, and it got beat down. And we, we got free of that, that thing, whatever the thing is. You can think of the thing. We got free of it. And then pressure of life comes, and we rebuilt that stronghold. And then we'd have a moment in church. We're like, I'm done with that. And we'd wipe it out. We'd break down that stronghold. And then time goes on and the pressures of life come. And then we rebuild the stronghold. And we've done it again and again and again. And now it's not just a little mound. Now it's massive. But the Lord, the Lord can rebuild it. Now I want to put this on a positive spin for you as well. As a people of God, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. So that might have been a stronghold that you were building in your life and you're like, man, how can I be free of it? Now as you start to rebuild that stronghold for the Lord, it may start out small. It may feel small. And it, it may feel like nothing. Not every time do I get into prayer do I feel the presence of God. But I, my, my faith and trust in Christ is not based on my feelings. It's based on his word and his goodness and his kindness towards me. And you begin to build a new stronghold, the stronghold of the Lord. And so there's habits that you begin to put in place where now when you feel pressed, now when you feel abandoned, now when you feel like you're crushed, you go to God and now you build that new stronghold, a godly one. And then time comes and maybe it feels a little bit crumbled, but you come back to God and you come back to God and you build stronger than ever and then stronger than ever. God wants to build a stronghold in your life where you run to him. You know, one of the things with David and his relationship with Saul is he's having this moment with him and trying to convince him. He's doing his sales pitch. He's like, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. When they came, the Lord delivered. He's going to be like that. When, when David's having that pitch with him, as he's talking about it with him, the anointing of God on David's life allowed Saul to be able to see the anointing on him. Now, what Saul didn't know in this moment of the story that David knew, David was already anointed king. He was anointed king by the prophet. You remember the story. The prophet Samuel comes and God's like, how long are you going to mourn for him? Stop mourning for Saul. It's time to move on. I've moved on and there is a new king that I'm going to raise up. Go to Jesse in Bethlehem. I want you to find him and one of his sons is going to be anointed king. David had an anointing experience. He had that encounter with God where the prophet validated him in front of his whole family that he was going to be the next king. But here is David serving Saul. And he's serving him to the best of his ability. But the moment comes, the moment comes where he has to make a decision to come up on that line of battle. And there's something inside of David that says, I'm not, I'm not going to sit back while I see this happening. And what, what Saul didn't understand is that essentially David's telling Saul, Saul, I have a secret life that you don't know about. I have a secret life with God that nobody sees. 
I spent time in the fields praying and worshiping when no one's around. Because of my encounters with God, because I've seen what God can do before, I know what God can do now. My prayer is, as your pastor, I'm praying that there are secret lives in God that nobody has seen until now. I'm praying that there's a secret life of God that you have where it's like, man, you saw this happen. You saw this person get saved. You saw this healing take place. That you have a secret life in God that that boss doesn't know about. That you have a secret life of God, the anointing's on you, that that person in your family member doesn't know about, but they see there's something special on you. When you get that job and they're like, there's just something, you ask them, why did you choose me? There was just something about you. There was just something about you that you would have a secret life in God that maybe nobody even really knows about, but your family, your kids see it. Dads, you wake up early and you go on your prayer walk. Before they go to bed, you lay hands on your kids and you pray the blessing of God over them as they're getting into bed at night. You're developing a new stronghold in the Lord. Here's a quote for today. I want to make sure that We didn't miss this. When you stop trying to do things your way and live sold out to his ways, you build a stronghold built on the rock of Jesus Christ in obedience to the word of God that positions you to reap the blessings grown in the valley. Because the Lord is your stronghold. That's what this battle was about. It was about that that stronghold of Ezekiah. And they needed to occupy it so that they could have the fruit in the valley. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me up on front as we're going to close out today. And I I just want to share something with you as we close. It's kind of sobering, but last week, you know, we had our our three-year anniversary, which was awesome and beautiful, and it was so fun. And after the three-year anniversary, uh, I went home and and then I watched my Seahawks lose to the Rams. It was horrible. It was a horrible time. It was ugly. It was, <laughs> I love you anyway. And then after that, my, my, my son, August, who's 12, he's like, Dad, can we go on a bike ride? I'll be honest with you. There was nothing in my body, my mind, that wanted to go on a bike ride. <laughs> it was a big day. It was an emotional day. It was a joyous day. And then, uh, then I watched my Seahawks loss, you know. And I said, yes, yeah, and let's go on a bike ride. Let's go on a bike ride. So we go on a bike ride. And we're on the bike ride about 30, 40 minutes, and I get a call from my wife. And uh, she shares with me that I need to come home because her brother passed away. That afternoon, he died unexpectedly. So I race home with my son try to keep a smile on. I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to go inside and mom and I just need to talk for a little bit. We're going to get some stuff ready for dinner, blah, 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 blah. Send them upstairs. All the kids are upstairs. And I go in and hold my wife and she was honestly just a puddle of tears. And I held her and embraced her and she cried. I cried. We talked, we prayed. And in that moment, we just made a decision. God, we're going to worship you. This doesn't make sense. We are hurting right now. Still hurting today. But man, I'm going to praise you because you are good. You're a good God. Despite what we're experiencing right now, I know you're good. 
and I'm going to take this moment and I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to turn it into praise. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to turn it into worship. I'm, I'm not going to run to something else. I'm not going to run to another stronghold. You are a stronghold and I need you now. And we've been going to pray and we prayed for each other. And then we got the family on the line and got the rundown, what happened, how it happened, et cetera. It was tough. And my little brother, Ryan, incredible guy, 40 years old, left behind a wife and two beautiful little girls. Difficult, sad, just reminded you of the brevity of life. Like it is fleeting, man. Like it is fleeting. The time has come in your life today. If there's any strongholds you're running to that's not Jesus, you need to get your life right with Jesus right now. I'm, I'm telling you this in love as your pastor, as your friend, I'm telling you, if you are not right with Christ, you need to make it happen now. You do not know what a day may bring. Say, so how do I get right? Romans 10, 9, Paul says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might, not I hope you'll be saved. No, 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 you will be saved. You believe, you declare Jesus is Lord. If there's a stronghold that's been in your life today, this morning, I want you just to, in the spirit, man, crush that stronghold and say, no, in that area of my life, now I'm declaring Jesus is Lord. I'm believing in my heart that he is Lord now, that he can help me in this area. And when we say Jesus is Lord, the term Lord for us, it denotes lordship. If you go back into the Middle Ages, if you were a lord, you were a landowner. That's what lords were. They were landowners. And so you are the lord of that land. If there's any of your area of your life where you're not fully surrendered, where you say Jesus is not truly the landowner, your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He owns it all. If, if, if there's any area of your life where he doesn't own it all, then I want to encourage you today, lay that down. Lay that down. Put that to Jesus. Give your heart, your soul, your life, everything, your work, everything that you do, all your kids, give it to them, your vocation, your schooling, the relationship, your marriage, your girlfriend, your boy. You put that to Jesus and you say, Lord, I wanna be in your will. Not my will be done, I want your will be done. God, I, I submit this to you today. Make him the Lord of your life. I heard somebody say one time, they said, if Jesus isn't Lord over all, then he's really not Lord at all in your life. Is he Lord over all? Why don't we all stand as we close out today? And I just wanna encourage you, if you're, if you're making this declaration today, if you're saying, I am saying Jesus is Lord, and if you are here today and maybe it's the first time you've ever said that out loud or you're praying and you're, you're like, man, I really need to get my life right with Christ. I would love to meet you personally. We have a gift for you. I wanna give you your first Bible today. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna pray with you today. If that's you, we wanna do that with you today. And I'm gonna have the prayer team join me on the sides of the stage. And we're also gonna make ourselves available to pray for you for whatever might be going on in your life. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I've tried to battle this stronghold 
I've tried to take down this stronghold on my own. And you know what? Today, forget it. Pride out the window. I'm going to go and just confess it. And I'm going to stand with a brother or a sister and say, will you pray with me? that we would break down this stronghold for once and for all and that today we will build a stronghold in the Lord. Will you pray with me? Will you join me? Will you come into agreement with me? And we will pray. We are a praying church and we would be honored to pray with you today. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.